Welcome back to Yes, You Can Lead, a podcast of life and leadership lessons from me, your host, Chip Nightingale. My goal with this podcast is to help encourage people, business leaders, coaches, pastors, and families when it comes to life and leadership lessons. What we need to understand is that God created all of us to lead and to be led. I believe that the best way for us to accomplish our goal as leaders is to grow together as leaders. Today's podcast is a recording I did with my good friend, David Tabiri, missionary and director of the Ministry of Word of Life in Rwanda. He has a great podcast, Cabin Devos, that is reaching thousands of people in Africa. He has an amazing heart for the Lord, and together we dive into some questions he has about conflict. Today's sponsors for the podcast is Word of Life Fellowship. Did you know that Word of Life is one of the largest camping ministries in all of the world with ministries in over 80 countries? Even during COVID, God has given Word of Life the opportunity to impact close to a million young people in 2021. And with doors opening up, they are excited about the reach that God is going to give them this year. Both the New York and Florida camping ministries are in full swing. There is not a lot of room left in Florida as they are exploding at the seams, but we still have some room in New York as we celebrate the 75-year anniversary of Word of Life Island. If you are listening to this podcast, we have some great deals for you to get young people to camp. Please call my direct line at 518-494-6213. That is 518-494-6213 to find out what scholarships I can give to you. Well, without further ado, let's go to our interview, How to Handle Conflict. But tonight, I'm here with uh, Mr. Chip. Nightingale, and we're here to talk about his book Ceasefire. Um, and I think this is a, this is a this is a I would assume it's a it's a some kind of war uh, term where both the enemy and 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 uh, and you have to put your guns down, mm. relax, and and take a moment to breathe. Ceasefire. I think it's it's about reconciliation. I love the title. Mm. Really love the title. But tonight, talking about forgiveness, um, my first question to Mr. Chip as we talk about the material uh, in this book. And by the way, before we can start, if I want to get this book, let's start there. Where can I find the book right now? You can uh, buy the book on uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. So uh, all you have to do is go to Amazon, either look up my name, Chip Nightingale, mm-hmm. and find it, my author page that's there. There's also a second book there that my brother wrote. Um, on uh, First Peter, and or you could just look up Ceasefire, and there's some actually bad books that are in the <laughs> Ceasefire category. But mm. put Ceasefire, Finding Peace when all you see is conflict, mm-hmm. and uh, and you'll find it. But it is uh, gained popularity, so most of the time when you search it, it is one of the first things that come up. Awesome. And some of you, when you hear Amazon, you give up. Why? Because you're not used to online uh, purchases. Uh, especially in Africa and East Africa. But let me tell you, if you have an ATM card that has the word Visa on it, you can set up a payment option. I've ordered several products uh, on Amazon. But Mr. Chip, first question for you. What would you say is the biggest hurdle or step uh, to take when it comes to forgiveness? And I'm asking this uh, maybe based on... uh, conversations you've had with people maybe counseling moments or situations that you have that you've experienced maybe as an individual but what would you say is the hardest hurdle to overcome in the process of reconciliation and forgiveness 
I love I love this question to start off because um, you pointed out that is it pride? You talked to, yeah. to us to me just recently about is it an act of pride? And it absolutely is an act of pride in the sense that the reason we struggle with forgiveness is because ultimately we're wrestling with the idea of whether or not we're right or wrong. Mm. And and so when we think about forgiveness and you think about someone coming to us and approaching us about maybe something that we have done wrong, immediately our response is, I didn't do that. Mm. And uh, so the pride part of us goes, I, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm not going to give them for forgiveness. Mm. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm not going to do any of those things because reality is that I don't think I'm wrong. Yeah. Or maybe we need to be going to someone and approaching them with because we have wronged them, but we wrestle with it because we're going, well, what are they going to think about me when I tell them this? And, mm. and really, it still stems from the act of pride. Mm. And one of the things I point out in the book, and this is something I learned after my dad passed, that the reason I struggle with conflict more than anything else is ultimately because I love myself more than I love the person mm -hmm. that I'm having conflict with. And, and I began to realize that God has called me to love people the same way that he loves me. And that is unconditional. And I have to prepare my heart to love someone in order to take the steps of dealing with whatever the conflict might be. It's interesting that you you say that. My original thought as well was was, was pride. I, I know pride has been the scapegoat for a lot of sins, <laughs> and it's it's interesting that most sins actually originate from from pride. Mm. And and uh, you you're familiar with the I don't even know who came up with those free phrases, uh, picking it up from Genesis and also First John, the pride of life. Uh, last of the eye and mm. uh, last of the flesh, mm. but pride of life mm. is—it's huge, because mm. she saw and she thought this is good for gaining wisdom. Mm. I'll be like God, mm. and and I think even in this whole process, men want to be gods, mm. to judge, <laughs> number one, uh, but also to be like the ones who own the right to forgive. Mm. Um, and so the longer I hold on to the forgiveness, one begins to think they're holding the other hostage. Mm. And I think it was uh, Nelson Mandela, you must have quoted him in the book. It's a very common uh, phrase that uh, when you hold bitterness, now I'm paraphrasing, mm. it's like drinking poison mm. and hoping that uh, your enemy is the one that will die. Mm -hmm. um, so you're hoping that you you, be, you you have leverage by mm. holding on to a grudge, but you actually don't. Mm. But it's interesting that really, I mean, if you don't have time to listen to this or the, the podcast today, you I think this is more like the center of what we're discussing, the well, pride. What's interesting, the yeah, pride well, what's interesting yeah. is, is that I was just having a conversation with someone at lunch who mm. is asking, because of reading the book, was asking me, how do I approach this person mm. that has offended me and done something wrong to me, but they don't even know they did? Mm. And his pride was telling him, I don't need to confront this, mm. but the bitterness in his life is showing that he does. Because... That person needs the opportunity to mm. hear that he has wronged them so that there can be a point of reconciliation. Mm. And I, one of the verses I think we mess up all the time because uh, we always say, don't go to bed and... and, uh, and don't let and, that and, sun go down. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Don't let the sun go down until you uh, have dealt with the problem. And, mm. and most of the time we refer that in, in light of our wives, but that's not just our spouse. Mm. 
that's conflict, period. Mm. We're not supposed to let the sun go down because what ends up happening is Satan now has a foothold in our lives. Mm. And we all know when he has a foothold in our lives, usually the next morning, it's our pride that begins to take over. Mm. And at that moment, we begin to have discussions within our mind that says, I don't really need to deal with this. Mm. It's okay. They're... Uh, they don't even know there's a problem anyways, mm. but it doesn't solve the problem within our heart. Because so, wouldn't it be easier to seize the fire at that moment? <laughs> because, listen, it's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I've, I've been in that position where someone offends you and you kind of take comfort in, in thinking or assuming they do not know that they offended you. Mm. And you think by letting it go... There will be no fire, you understand? Mm. So there's no need to cease fire when there's no fire. Mm. But part of me thinks it's a wrong approach. Why? Because there's a fire in my heart mm. at that point. Mm. But what are your thoughts? I mean, I mean, there's there's another verse that I, I, I might wrongly quote um, where it says perfect love, not perfect love, sorry, uh, love, love, uh, what, what's the word? Uh, um... Well, well, love assumes the best. Mm. I, I'm, mm. I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing that verse. It's, it's not coming to me uh, straight right now. But you assume the best. Mm. So you're thinking, ah, I think there's no problem, mm. and we we confuse that with love. But also the fear of not wanting to start mm. a fight mm. because you said you want to give them an opportunity to reconcile. But what if they don't, mm. and and they just add soul to the wound mm. using that analogy and there's a sense of regret i think mm. that's the fear i've been in that place mm. i do not know if that was the case mm. with the individual you are talking to but being in because i've been in that place even even with my wife without mentioning details there are things that happen and you feel like you're safer and not bringing it up mm. And eventually the fire will cease by itself mm. where there's no oxygen, no one is finding it. Mm. But yeah, are there moments where we can simply just let go? Should we confront every fire that starts up? It depends if it's sin or not. Because mm. I think most of the time we we get in this in into trouble when we determine that um, the conflict that we have with the individual we're having a conversation with, or maybe they did something wrong, like they maybe they stole something from us, or mm. obviously that's sin. But a lot of times the conflict we have is a personal p- opinion. It mm. is not a biblical issue. And there, so there's a difference. Mm. Just because you have a personal um, opinion about something that contradicts someone else, that means that now all of a sudden, now we're coming back to pride. Mm. And now I think my way is better than your way. Mm. And that's something totally different. So so we have to be careful with that. Um, but when it is sin, we have to confront the sin. Mm. And that's where the Bible is very, very clear that we are to go to our brother and we're to make this right. Mm. Um, but there are times when we need to take a step back and go, okay, am I offended because... Because this is sin, or am mm. I offended because I just don't like it? And those are two totally different things. Because you might be the one in the wrong. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you might be the one in the wrong. Yeah, opinions are are, are opinions. Mm. They they really have no facts mm. behind it. And but how many times have we created problems in a relationship because mm. of a difference of a, of an opinion? Mm. And 
And that's truly, that's not love. Mm. That's not God's love. Mm. Um, and just like you said at the very beginning, it's it's pride. It's pride. Yeah. Yep. Your last piece of advice there, I wish I could remember the chapter, but I think it's it's in the book. You actually explain the difference between a personal grudge and actually sin mm. uh, in that sense. And there's a huge, huge difference. But again, I, I, I love where we're going with this. Here's question number two. Uh, uh, Mr. Chip, question number two is, Scripture says, forgive just as God forgave you in Christ Jesus. Would you say forgiveness is a choice um, in terms of a decision that happens at once where you say, I need to wake up or I need to eat? That's a decision. That's a choice. Or would you say forgiveness is a process? Uh when the more I think about it, I think it most likely is both. But what is your inclination? An inclination means, yes, it, it could be both, but I'm inclined to go a particular direction. And the question is why? My suggestion is God never forgave us in steps. He forgave us once and for all. Um, he died once and for all. Um, and yet, sometimes when you think about forgiveness, the positive effects of forgiveness like gaining trust may take a while a long while in some cases why does it take a while um and 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 those are really like two questions mm. in one um it could be both a decision and it could be a process what are your thoughts and why well the first question um right you know Forgiveness, just as God forgave you in Christ Jesus, would you say forgiveness is a choice or a decision or a process? That that question is a tough one because our heart should always be prepared to forgive, like Christ has forgiven us. His He's already forgiven us when He died on the cross. He forgave us for our sins of our past, our present, mm-hmm. and our future. So He's mm-hmm. already taken care of that. But yet He still tells us to come to Him and ask for forgiveness. Like we still have to bear our souls to him and and admit the fact that we're a sinner but in that moment he already knows whether or not we really are looking for genuine forgiveness Hmm. whether we're really sorry and uh, where we don't know that and i think at times and and i don't know if you've felt this before as well but there's times where it's easy to forgive someone the first time they hurt us Mm -hmm. and then they hurt us the second time and now we put uh maybe some guardrails up or for me it takes like 10 or 15 times my my dad used to get so mad at me he's like you you forgive people too quickly (laughs) and uh and he's right i would Mm -hmm. let people take advantage of me over and over and over and over and over again and and but then then I'd get to a certain place and I'd start putting those walls up, and the forgiveness would not come as quick. Mm. But it's still a command that I am to forgive because seventy times seven basically is telling me I'm supposed to forgive mm. forever, mm. just like He forgave me for all my sins through through this time on this earth. I'm mm. su- still supposed to do the same thing. But what I realize is that. It, what determines whether or not I'm going to forgive someone has to start with the act of love. It's, mm. It has to start with my heart for loving people. If I love people, even if it takes me time, I still need to prepare my heart to forgive. So what happens, let's take it a whole nother step. What happens if someone wrongs me, but they never come and tell me? They never say that they're sorry. Mm. Um, well, I think I still need to prepare my heart 
And personally, I think I need to go to that person and let them know. But there's times when maybe I can't. Maybe they're on the other side of the world and I really just can't do that because mm. you know we're here together and you're gonna you're gonna leave and we're gonna be hours and hours and hours away from each other it'd mm. be really hard mm. um, except through zoom or something like that to maybe have a conversation and maybe all of a sudden this bitterness starts to well up within our within our relationship and next thing you know there's there's tension mm. um, and I think it's important for us to to avoid that that we need to understand that you know I love you and you love me. And the reason why that is that way is because Christ loves me mm. in spite of the fact that I'm going to make a huge mistake today. I know I am because I pretty much do every day. Mm. And yet he's still going to forgive me for that. Um, so I need to prepare my heart for the understanding of forgiveness. And the second question um, or second idea that you kind of have here uh, is the positive effects of forgiveness like gaining trust may take a while. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Um, it's hard when you've been hurt so deeply to come to a place of realizing that you can trust again. It takes, it takes um, basically time after time after time of them doing the right thing to show and build that trust back up so that I can come to the place of saying I can trust. But even in those moments... I've got a really good friend, or my wife has a really good friend, and she's been hurt by this individual so many times. Mm. And for whatever reason, she continues to be friends. And But each time she gets hurt, she, she'll put a little bit bigger of a boundary. But for me, I put like a brick wall up. There is... I am... I want to protect my wife. It's like, why in the world do you keep having a relationship with this mm. person? And the reason she does it is because she loves her. Mm. And she sees the good in her, even though I can't. All I see is this woman hurting my wife. And I, I want to protect. But that's not what Christ would do. Um, Christ would give my wife the tools necessary to really to encourage her and love her. Mm. And uh, so anyways, uh, I think it's really important that we understand that there is going to be times when it's going to take us a long time to work through the process. But we still have to walk through the process. I'm going to come back to the process, but but hearing you, this sounds impossible. Hmm. Uh, I say that because pain of being hurt um, is real. Hmm. It's so painful. Um, some of us in Africa have experienced pain in school, where you're being spanked for <laughs> for for the for bad grades. Hmm. Uh, I, I personally remember when I was still growing up, the math teacher would make you stand up for every number that you have failed in the mm. homework. And we're not kids. This is high school. <laughs> this is high school. Mm. And there's that pain, but we got used to it mm. and would make fun even as we're being caned. Mm. That's how numb mm. it had gotten. And, and today we look back. Today you would think you would sue the entire school. You'd call that abuse or something. Mm. But the pain that is emotional, that is difficult to get, to, to, to overcome. Mm. You, you don't just grow muscles for it. Mm. You can grow muscles for physical mm. pain, but it's difficult to grow muscles for emotional pain. Some that I've tried have ended up being isolated. They've ended up losing more than 
one relationship. They lose future relationships because they don't want to get hurt again. That That's the scar. That's the scar that is now... Um, has lost sensitivity. Uh, and so someone reaches out, even with an act of love, and you think, they want something from me mm. because it has happened before. And here's a funny thing. You open your heart to receive that particular act of love, and when they disappoint you, it's like cutting a wound on a scar. Mm. <laughs> it's more painful mm. than the original wound. Now you talk about a process, and I remember your dad explaining the same way and use the analogy of a washing machine. He was talking about a different process of healing, mm. not necessarily forgiveness. And he says, and now washing machines are not a familiar uh, concept back home. We use our hands. But if you're washing clothes, there's a process. Depending on how dirty the cloth is, you may start by soaking it. Mm. And I know some machines do soak mm -hmm. for a while mm -hmm. where the detergent sits for a while and that that gets uh, gets the real detergent without rushing through the rinsing process and then depending on the function you've chosen whether it's regular heavy duty it will determine how long that particular those those clothes are going to wash for and then how many times we're going to rinse mm. and how long we are going to dry but he says it won't be done until each cycle is done. Meaning, you're not going to dry them until they've soaked or until they've washed the three cycles. There's a cycle to the process. Mm -hmm. And you have to wait until each cycle is done. Mm -hmm. Today, we might be here and we are looking at the dirty shirt. Mm -hmm. We are hoping to see a dry shirt with no wrinkles. Mm -hmm. But we don't want the process in between. Mm -hmm. And I think in saying that this is has a foundation of love, yes, and I'm talking a lot, that's bad for a podcast, hmm. but this is good because you mentioned something that is very, very personal. Hmm. Now, without mentioning details, I think each one of us does struggle with not wanting to be hurt again. And, and I think for us to go quickly through this is unfair. But what's some of the processes? Well, interesting enough, um, mm. I was uh, something that stood out to me in First Peter chapter one. He mm. talks about the refining of our faith, mm -hmm. and uh, and I think this is part of that process. It's the refining of our faith. It, the pain that like you were like you've experienced that I can't relate to. Now mm. I got whipped by my my principal, but that was mainly <laughs> because I was fighting with uh, with another kid, and mm. uh, I deserved it. I think they called my parents. My parents told them to <laughs> to, to do <laughs> that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so that was something I deserved, mm. um, but so I can't I can't relate to that pain. And ultimately, it kind of goes to one of the questions you were going to ask me. Mm. You know, how do you forgive someone who doesn't know the Lord? Mm. Um, and how do you go through the process when they don't know love? They don't know God's love. They know love, but they don't know the kind of love that we're talking about. Mm. And and that that's complicated. But mm. ultimately, I think what's important is is that we are trusting God through the process that mm. we're letting him he be the one that's healing us because mm. in first peter that refining is he and this is so interesting because in james the the book before first peter uh it says rejoice in all trials right mm. rejoice that you're getting this trial peter doesn't say that mm. he says the trials there because he's testing your faith He's testing the process because he wants to refine you through the process. Mm. So when we want to give up, 
and not deal with the process, basically we're missing out on the opportunity that God is using to refine us into mm. who he wants us to be. Mm. So, and then he uses that description of gold. And when you heat the gold, it takes all the impurities out. So what does he do in our lives? He heats us up. Mm. He puts those things in our lives, the, the circumstances, circumstances mm. like what you're talking about. And basically he basically is saying, what God is doing is testing your faith. Mm. And if you can't work through that, then what does your faith look like? Mm. Mm. He's refining us. So even in the act of forgiveness, it's a process of refining. It's not, God gives us a command. He, he tells us in Matthew 18 to go to your brother that's wronged you. Mm. He, doesn't, he doesn't say, well, if you want to. Mm. And he doesn't promise and say, okay, when you go, Forgiveness will happen instantly. No. He gives a process. If he does not, then. Yes. If they don't, then this. And we can't skip the process. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We can't go, I can't, hey, David, I got a problem with my friend over here. Mm. And then I start bashing my friend to you because now you've got a problem with my friend too. Mm. Mm. Um, No, the process is I've had a problem and I need to go to my friend. Not involve you, mm. but what ne- needs to happen after that, though, is another process. It we didn't come to a reconciliation, so I need to bring someone, really someone mature mm. in the Lord, and and not try to get them on my side, but bring them along to listen to both sides, so mm. they can help us come to a solution. Mm. Mm. And then obviously the third process is you bring them in front of uh and i don't think when they say the church i don't think church discipline is supposed to be in front of everybody mm. i think it's supposed to be in front of church leadership mm. the people that are mature in the lord the mm. elders or or the pastors and the deacons and the elders or and uh and then they through that process come to a determination of of what has happened mm. and and help us to see where the reconciliation needs to come from. And if that person doesn't want to reconcile, then it says, have nothing more to do with them. Mm. So there's there's a process. But at the end, it also says, if they desire to come back, you lovingly bring them back. Mm. But they have to admit their fault. And so we just miss the process. We skip the process. We just tell everybody else about what we're mad about. Mm. Mm. And, and, and now... We've just destroyed someone else's name instead of helping the the process of reconciliation. Now, but coming back to the idea of someone who doesn't know the Lord, it's still important for us to tell them how we've been hurt. Mm. Or if we've if we wronged them, imagine going to them and they don't even know and we've wronged them and said, Hey, I'm so sorry for doing this. What opportunity that would bring, especially in light of the things that maybe the people that in your country have dealt with, mm. where they go, where's this coming from? Why would you do this? Mm, mm. And it gives you the opportunity to say, because the Lord loved me so much that he reconciled my sin by dying on the cross, mm. and that's how much he loves you. And mm. because of that, that's how much I love you too. It is. It really comes back to the act of love. Wow. And that's where it all began. Mm-hmm. I mean, he loved us that he gave his only begotten son. And, and it's through him that we find forgiveness. Mm. And if we truly receive that forgiveness, then I think it's Ray preacher that said we receive it from God to us and then to others, mm-hmm. to others. I don't think we can pass on something we don't have. Last question. Uh, second last question. 
Uh, the other one is, is just, I want to ask you to just share with us a little bit of the introduction. I think you have a very fascinating story mm. at the beginning of the book, how you had to do and to deal with forgiveness where even the individual didn't expect it. They recognized what they had done, um, hurt your business, and they were ready. <laughs> they were ready. Uh, but they found forgiveness. We'll get to that. But how do you offer forgiveness uh, to someone that does not need it? Hmm. What I mean is they have leverage already hmm. over you. Hmm. And I'm going to give this in relation to uh, a boss and the uh, employee scenario. Mm. They really don't need your forgiveness. You're at their mercy. Mm. Whether you forgive them or not, uh, you could get fired mm. <laughs> and they'll feel nothing. Um, it's your boss and your actions really don't mean much in terms of uh, the repercussions and yet they can snap their finger and, and you're gone. Mm. Uh, your boss hurts you. They don't see what they've done mm. is wrong. And it may actually injure your relationship if you try to pursue that kind of mm. process. Mm. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You went to HR and brought up this matter, for example. Mm. That's the reconciliation process mm. in, the, in the secular world mm -hmm. of reconciliation. It's not the church. Mm -hmm. uh, eldership can chase you out of, uh, of, of church fellowship. Uh, workplace is different. The process in, mm -hmm. in court is different. There's no elders you're going to go to. Yep. You only have the HR, yep. and <laughs> the HR could be uh, could be um, is paid by your boss. Yeah, <laughs> your yeah. boss. They could be crooked. They yeah. could be on the, the, the boss's side. Yes, yeah. they could be on the boss's <laughs> side, and the repercussions are huge. Yeah, and and I bring this up because we live we live in a community and a world where people have given up purpose for a checkbook mm. uh, in the sense that let me just show up to work. I don't like the environment. It's toxic. But if they're paying me, let me go just finish one more day. Mm. And there are so many grudges mm. that we might have with people we work with. Maybe you just don't like the way they're playing loud music. Mm. You're sharing office. Your boss has mannerisms that are just annoying. Mm. I'm talking about people that do not need your forgiveness mm. how do you deal with something like that i don't know i know you work with word of life and it's a christian organization the process is easier but in case someone is found themselves in a weird I think, place like well that. i think most people are finding themselves in that position yeah. um yeah. where they're controlled by the man mm. that's kind of the term we use here in america you're yeah. controlled by the man you're controlled by the person who writes the check yeah and I think the better question is, is why, why does God have you there? Um, not the, not, hey, they're going to, they've wronged me and they're doing these things, or maybe they didn't pay you what you're worth, or like you said, uh, maybe, maybe they're doing things behind the scenes that just shouldn't be happening and all of those types of things. The thing we need to understand is in that, in that setting, those people don't know any better. Mm -hmm. They don't know the Lord. Now, if you knew your boss and he's going to church with you, um, you better confront that boss. Uh, and and maybe there you may need to get some advice from your pastor and elder on how to walk <laughs> through that process. Mm. But you still need to walk through that process. But most of the time, that's just not the case. Mm. And and sometimes they may even claim to be Christians, 
But the reason you're there is really not for the check, even though that's why we think we're there. Mm -hmm. We're there because God put us there to be light in a world that's full of darkness. Mm -hmm. And so how can you be light if you're bitter about all the bad things that are happening in that business environment when why would we expect anything else? Mm -hmm. It's it's of the world. It is it is it's of Satan. Um, of course, it looks like that. Mm. And it's very few organizations that have secular bosses who have environments that feel godly. Mm. Um, and the reason that uh, God has placed that job in our lives was because that's our ministry. Uh, and we we just go, well, I need it for my job. Mm. Um, but that's saying then then we don't need God to provide us for the resources of to live. Mm. The truth is God still gave us the job. God's still providing the money, and it may be through this evil person, mm. but God's still doing that. Mm. So how in the world do we uh, function in the environment? We function in the environment by just loving them in spite of them. And I'm not saying that's easy because I'm not usually very good at that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that is what he's called us to do. He's called us to be light in a world that's full of darkness. Mm. And if you truly love the Lord... You're, you're going every day with the idea that maybe today is the day that someone's going to see that I'm different and they're going to ask me why. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I'll give you an example. My grandpa was a tin knocker, and uh, that means he uh, put HVAC systems, uh, big duct works in these big factories and stuff like that. And he'd climb around in all this duct work and stuff. And my grandpa loved to sing. They they called him the singing nightingale because <laughs> he would sing through the duct work. Mm. And so his voice would ring out through the whole factory. So everybody knew that he loved the Lord. Mm. It was not a godly environment. But I ran into a guy. Um, it was like about five years ago. And somehow he's connected through my family, uh, through my wife's family. And uh, he goes... What's your last name? And I said, Nightingale. And he goes, Chuck Nightingale? Like, are, do you know Chuck Nightingale? And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's my grandpa. The singing Nightingale is your grandpa? <laughs> and uh, my grandpa led him to the Lord because wow. of his example by singing in the Duckworks. Mm. He sang hymns. He didn't sing secular music. Secular music was playing throughout the whole place. But he was in the Duckwork, and that Duckwork would just echo everywhere. Mm. And so he was singing God's word, and people were being influenced and impacted by it. He didn't care if they didn't like it. Mm. He was singing praises to God. He was there because God called him there to have a ministry there. Mm. And maybe it's only one person that got saved, but I'd have to say after 30, 40 years of doing that job, mm. most likely there was more than one that was impacted by mm. the fact that he was willing to, uh, to love the Lord and love them mm. by singing to them. Um, so, I mean, that I can't think of a better story mm. of, of uh, living out our faith mm. uh, in a life that uh, would be, it's, it, you know, it's hard, it's, it can't be easy. It's got to be hard. You know, for us, it, well, life for you can be hard right now. Mm. For me, I'm in a bubble. Life at my church was hard because there were a bunch of sinners coming in the church all the time mm. and bearing their problems on, on me. And helping them work through ceasefire mm -hmm. and, and dealing with their conflict, you're at times are out by yourself, and all you hear is all this baggage and negative stuff. Mm. And so, how do you work through that 
when you don't have, you know, the body coming and comforting you. Mm. But then the rest of the world, they live in the world. And I can't even imagine at times the things that they go through. But God has still called us to be a light in the world. Wow, that's that's amazing. Um, but maybe just to to to, to just uh, encourage most of us who may think you're not reaching many when you mention maybe one God saved. Uh, it may not be many. I, I like to think that uh, I don't know the gentleman's name um, that that was led to the Lord, but. That did not just change one person. Mm. Um, that changed the family. Mm. That guy is a husband. <laughs> He's mm. a father. Mm. And that changed the family. Mm. And if that changed the family, changed the kids and their kids, mm. it, I think sometimes we begin, we, we fail to understand the impact that we have in one individual life mm. because we are looking at this current timeline of this next year. We forget that we are talking about husbands, we are talking about wives, their children as fathers, that when we impact them, we're impacting generations to mm. come. And uh, I say that because recently I was thinking about uh, such an impact in my own life um, from a lady and, and a couple that supported my college education through compassion. Mm. And, and I remember talking to her and saying, you did not only raise... Uh, a David, you raised a husband, mm. you raised a father who is now uh, serving in ministry and, and uh, discipling several others. And so your impact is more than a child who used to write to you mm. uh, letters. It's, uh, it's, to, it's now to generations to come. Mm. And I do not know how many others, um, I can't give you a number, mm. how many have come to the Lord through the ministry mm. that God has allowed us to participate in but i want to assume that they too are fathers and mothers who will impact generations to come well just thinking about jack wartson yeah uh he played in bars mm. before he got saved he was in bars and clubs he was in a band and he came to know the lord and and now just even during covid mm. a million young people were touched in the last year um now did a million young people come to the saving knowledge of christ no but over a hundred thousand just in the last year came mm. to know Jesus Christ because of the impact of one man, mm. you know, 75 years ago. And who would have thought that, you know, word of life would be everywhere today. Mm. Mm. But he he was going down the path of being a musician. Mm. Um, and I don't think we really realize the impact of changing one life. And so it could be that relationship we're in right now mm. that is difficult. I think it's worth pursuing mm. to see that there's reconciliation because we might just change a life, yeah. which eventually will change generations. Either it's us offering forgiveness. People have taken their lives out of guilt, mm. not receiving forgiveness. Mm. Others have gone crazy, drinking their, themselves mad mm. because of guilt of not being forgiven. Mm. And it could be us holding them hostage. Mm. I think it's important that it doesn't matter um, whether they deserve it or not, that we offer it. Mm. Both for our own deliverance <laughs> and theirs too. Mm. Because one life, one life means a lot. Mm. It matters. But hey, Chip, as we come to the end of our time here, would you like just take a minute to share with us, um, we'll still buy the book, even after we listen to the introduction. <laughs> but just go ahead and give us, give us a brief of what that scenario looked like. I, I was intrigued by mm. that introduction mm. of to your book and, and how you're able to 
overcome that kind of pain when at least then you thought everything is lost mm. everything is lost mm. but today we look back and of course we're in a better place today mm. not everything was lost mm. but just quickly take us through what happened Well, basically, I, my construction company, I had a construction company with 15 uh, employees, and we would build, you know, 120, 130 homes a year, and um, and it was right before 2005 when the market was uh, in the United States was about to crash. I, well, nobody saw it coming because we were building homes, thousands and thousands, just like we are right now, and guess mm. what's happening? The market's crashing again. Um, <laughs> it's, it, history repeats itself, and... And so I was doing these six six specific jobs for one company, these huge homes, huge, huge homes, 7,000 square feet um, to 10,000 square foot homes. And, uh, and I had the contract on all of them. Well, needless to say, that company ended up going bankrupt and i lost i lost over a million dollars like overnight it was i it was tragic but i had this one job that i was doing for a different company and and uh, i was like well this can get me through and so as i was going through this job i uh i kept waiting and waiting and waiting to get paid and i wasn't getting paid and the stress is building up and i've had to pay off my employees i've had to lay them all off i've i'm uh i don't have any money at all to pay my house i don't have any money to pay my cars i don't have any money to pretty much pay for anything and the stress level was extremely high hmm. so i met with some pastors because i didn't believe in suing and they actually looked at me and said you need to sue them hmm. and uh And after I met with the first pastor, I went to another pastor because, like, there's no way. There's no way. That's that's not biblical. Mm. And, the, and the, his response was, you need to take care of your family. If that's what you need to do right now, you need to take care of your family. And so I went to another pastor, asked him the same question, and same response. And then I went to another one, and that same response, like, you need to take care of your family. So I did. I, I, I got a lawyer, and I was going after uh, this company to get my money back. The Lord started started to work on my heart in a refining process in that he created distance from me and i felt lost mm. almost like i didn't have the lord at all i, I kind of feel like david did mm. when uh after he uh took bathsheba mm. and uh and right before nathan comes to him to tell him his sin that's the way i felt i'm sick to the bones i thought i was dying My wife called my dad. It's like I'm worried about him. And uh, oh, I don't know about uh, three months before um, you know uh, the summer was coming. Word of Life asked me to come and do a project for them, and uh, I was I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I, it was going to go to France, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And the reason was because I was bitter. Mm -hmm. I was just bitter about life. But then I heard a message on something, and I don't remember the message at all. I just remember breaking down mm -hmm. and God saying, you're not trusting me. You're not trusting me. So I went to uh, my lawyer and said, I'm canceling the suit. And he's like, what? We're going to win. Like, this is almost over. Do you know what you're going to do? And I said, no, I need to cancel this suit. And I said, in fact, I've already set up an appointment with the company that I was suing, and I'm going to go and have a conversation with them. So I'd just like you to get the paperwork together, and I'm going to go have the conversation. And I went to the company, walked in. 
uh, to secretaries said, hey, I didn't. I uh, said, hey, I'm here to meet, uh, um, his name was James. I said, I'm here to meet James, and uh, I'd like to talk to him about uh, uh, about our project. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, well, wait out here. And they brought me, and they ended up bringing me in a conference room, and he brought his lawyer with him. Brought out all this paperwork and started laying out in front of me. And before I even got to say a word, he began to explain to me why he hadn't paid me yet. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him, and I said, that's not why I'm here. And he went, what do you mean? I said, I'm here seeking your forgiveness Mm. because I don't believe that it was right for me to sue you. And I want you to know I'm canceling my suit. I've already reached out to my lawyer. You should be getting paperwork anytime soon. Um, But I in order for me to know what God wants for my life, I believe that I, I need to come to you and ask for forgiveness. And, uh, you know, you could just see his mouth just drop. Like, mm. it, the picture had to be incredible if people could have been there. Mm. And uh, him and his lawyer, he's like, hey, he grabbed his lawyer and they went out outside the conference room. I could see him because it was all glass. It's a really mm. nice building, all glass. There's no reason he shouldn't have been able to pay, pay to, to be frank. He, sh- he should have been able to pay me. Um, but anyways, he comes back in and uh, he goes, so Chip. What is God doing in your life right now? And I said, I just don't know. I and unless I do this, I don't know. I don't think He can tell me until I get this weight off my shoulders. He goes, whatever it's going to be, I want to be a part of it. And he's and uh, he says, is there anything going on right now? And I said, well, I want to go on this missions trip. They don't have money for it. And uh, he said, well, how much is the project? And I told him, and uh, he gave me the money. He wrote a check right there, gave me the money. And even though it wasn't the money for me, that was the hard part, you know. Mm, mm. God had already prepared my heart that it wasn't about the money. That I was just going to trust him in it. And uh, our relationship even to today is so strong that when there's times when I need certain resources or finances, he's there for me. Mm. He's definitely given more money to the ministry that I've been a part of mm. um, than he ever owed me. Now, did I see it in my mm. bank account? Nope. No. No. Mm. But I got to see it in God's bank account. Mm. And uh, that changed the way I approached from that point on how to love people and how to work through conflict. Not that I haven't still blown it at times, mm. but, uh, but it's a great reminder that God is in control of all things and that he'll take care of me. He took care of me. Mm. He's still taking care of me and he still wants to take care of me. I hope this podcast was an encouragement to you as much as it was an encouragement to me. I want to be a better leader, and I know you do too. Let's eliminate the things in our life that are keeping us from being all God wants us to be. I would encourage you to check out David's podcast, Camp in the Clouds. He has some great content with some great guests. He is definitely adding value to people, and today he has helped add value to us. Until next time, this is Chip Nightingale, and yes you can lead.